Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath, April 23rd, we look at Lesson 4, The Flood. Together, let's explore this true account found in Genesis 6. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word, and together we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. All right, here we are, Lesson 4, The Flood, and Matthew 24, verse 37, New King James Version, memory text says, But as the days of Noah were so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. And uh, I've heard this preached many a times, uh, a lot of times out of context. That's true. <laughs> and so hopefully, uh, well, no, not hopefully, we'll get a chance to put that into context today. Mm. And so I want to go ahead and let's start off with the preparation for the flood, Michael, for Sunday's lesson there. Yeah, right. So uh, Genesis uh, chapter 6 and 7 uh, basically is talking about all of this uh, preparation and uh, Noah, uh, like other biblical prophets, uh, and of course the, the lesson refers to, to Daniel, but you could probably uh, refer to, to other uh, situations that are apocalyptic in nature, right? right. The destruction of Jerusalem, mm-hmm. uh, the exile of the, of the children of Israel into Babylon, uh, these kinds of situations. And, and the thing with prophets is they're always a lot of trouble. True. <laughs> they tell you what you don't want to hear. And that is exactly what is going on here, is here you have this situation uh, of, of Noah warning the world uh, uh, about what's about to happen, this flood. And I'm reminded of the words of G.K. Chesterton. Um, some friends shared this uh, quote with me this last week um, that I think kind of connects with this here. It says, I don't need a church to tell me I'm wrong where I already know I'm wrong. I need a church to tell me I'm wrong where I think I'm right. Mm. And that's what a prophet does. That's G.K. Chesterton, by the way. And and that's what Noah's doing. Is, exactly, is, yeah. He's telling them <laughs> what they don't want to hear and warning them, hey, uh, pay attention that uh, this is about to happen. And, For 120 years, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, patience, right? Yeah. The and Intriguingly, um, a lot of times God doesn't rush things. No, he doesn't. And he gives us time after time after time. Yeah, I mean, and and look at those same situations with uh, God allows time to to for people's true characters to be revealed, for things to have these outworkings. You have this with the children of Israel. Um, you have this, you know, Jesus warns of the destruction of Jerusalem, and yet it's not for another forty years. He warns of the captivity. Yeah, he warns of yeah, so many th- everything and, he's given us. And, and to kind of take this home a little bit. You know, at the end time, God's people waiting for Christ to come are described as here is the the patience of the saints. Yes. So this idea of patiently waiting, and and that had to have been hard to preach that prophetic message. Extremely, yeah. And to say, hey, this is happening, and people that are just mocking and saying, well, you know, how do you know? In 120 years, that's a long time. Well, well, Michael, that quote that you gave by uh, Chesterson. uh, Yeah, yeah. We realize that it's not just about. Uh, saying it because sometimes we say it, but are we willing to receive it? Ooh, are our hearts open to recognize that 
Sometimes we're not we're not we're not always right. Yeah. And I'm willing to be wrong in order to be proven right. Yeah. And hopefully, well, not hopefully, I need yeah. that to be based in the word, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, Michael, I mean, we've corrected each other before. And one of the things I love about you is the fact that you actually have humility about you. Well, the feeling's mutual because that's, uh, I hope, by God's grace, we can learn from each other. Yeah, absolutely. And that's yeah. the only way you can grow is with humility. Yeah. The, the teachers must be teachable. And by the way, you know, talking about this, Buster, reminds me, you know, and and if if some of our listeners haven't heard, you know, I, I'm going to be transitioning from Southwestern. I'm going to miss uh, Swahu because Swahu's Excuse me gonna... while I cry one second. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. And and I love Southwestern deeply, but but one of the things I love the most about teaching, and yes. again, this is bittersweet, right? Things you look forward to, but the things that you leave behind. Um, the, the thing I think I'm going to miss the most is our students and how much we learn from, how much I learn from our students. Yes. Every time we go through the material and, oh my goodness, never thought of that before. M- Michael, you know, it, it never ceases to amaze me. Sometimes you're done with your Adventist history class and then yeah. several students will follow you back into your office and you guys will talk more about what you just uh, yeah, discovered during class. I know you do class. the same thing, Buster, because yeah. isn't that the best teaching is when you're relational? It really is. It really is. It, it's what it, and you model that par excellence, Buster, yeah. and I appreciate that. And and for those that are, uh, of you that are listeners, I mean, that's, that's what the gospel is about, you know, in church, but especially teaching, it's, it's about being relational. By the way, kind of bringing this home here to back to the, Noah's trying to be relational. He's trying. Yeah. They're not very receptive, but it says that, uh, that, that Noah, uh, which means that he did what God asked. He obeyed. God asked for his obedience and he did all the things uh, related to constructing the ark, the exact dimensions, all of these kinds of things, um, and God provides a act of redemption, mm-hmm. an opportunity for there to be a way out of uh, clearly this this judgment and this great change. This um, for them apocalypse that's yes. about to happen. Well, so. well, and that's the thing. What he was doing was mm. unprecedented. It was uh, there. There had never been rain before, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's he talking about? We've never seen this. We never experienced it. Mm-hmm. Why do you need such a big boat in the middle yeah. of land? This yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah, and it was mm-hmm. with man's logic, but with God's logic, it made perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, so we turn next to the event of the flood, this unprecedented event, Buster. Yes. And so Genesis 7 uh, continues on with that idea of Asa, which is making, but also doing what God has asked him to do. Mm. And it asks this question, what does the description of the flood remind us uh, of in the creation account? And what lessons can we learn from the parallels between the two events? And I, I want to especially turn to Genesis 7, verse 11. Wow. Uh, we see something very cool taking place okay. uh, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, and on the day of all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. And so we see here when God created the world, right? Uh, there was this separation of the waters. Mm-hmm. And this is the unseparation of the water, or the, the, no, the convergence of the waters once again. So there's water coming from below, and mm-hmm. there's water coming from the heavens and meeting together to kind of uncreate mm-hmm. uh, for this flood to come about, which yeah. is uh, God warning, God saying this was going to happen, and then this actually coming about. Uh, and and so as we're we're reading that we're seeing this we recognize the only way that this could happen was from yeah. the God who created the heavens and the earth yeah uh, and and so we see this kind of uncreation come about Ooh. Uh, and 
but with a plan though, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, we see the what happened before. God was saying, we're going to repopulate the earth, which is why he took seven of every clean animal. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then he took, uh, went ahead and took six of the, or took two of the unclean. And it was for the re- reproduction purposes yeah. of the earth. Yeah. And so God had a plan in all of this. Uh, so Michael, uh, tell us about the end of the flood though. All right. So this, this is a very intriguing statement here in Genesis chapter eight, verse one. And it kind of brings up a theological issue too. It says, and I'm reading from the NIV, but God remembered Noah hmm. and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded. So <laughs> <laughs> a little sound effect there for you. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so this is kind of interesting here uh, because this word um, remembered, I mean, did, did God actually forget about no. Noah and, and his family? And so I think that's actually kind of a bad translation of what's what, because God doesn't forget. No. Theologically. Oh, oh forgot. The flood, the flood, I got stopped. Yeah, like, oops, <laughs> you know, I, officer, I didn't realize I was uh, going that fast. <laughs> And and uh, it really means, uh, or a better translation, as the lesson here reminds us, is that he stopped. Yeah, there we go. And so you have kind of this, and this is why translation is really, really important, you know, um, that uh, sometimes the translation doesn't always come over perfectly from those ancient, from the ancient Hebrew, but 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 God, he paid attention um, and 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 here is a great moment in salvation history where God honored uh, those who were faithful, Noah and his family, and and protecting. I mean, cause if you think about it, the plan of salvation, is all hinged upon really what is. happens there in that boat. You know, the yeah. the air, the Messiah. Eventually, the seed is supposed to come, and so if that is destroyed, the whole plan of salvation is going to uh, come to an end as well. So. Um, here is a definite end to this catastrophe, and in the midst of that, uh, we have this amazing promise, um, this covenant. So, Buster, uh, why don't you get us started on this? So, I have to admit, as I was studying this week's lesson, I found something new that, it, huh. well, listen here, it just all clicked together. So, yeah. Genesis 8, verse 20, mm-hmm. I'm, going, I'm going to go ahead and read that, okay. and uh, New King James Version. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Right. And, it, and then it says, uh, verse 21, and the Lord smelled a smooth, uh, smelled a soothing aroma. And the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. Right. So this is a promise. And, Later on, we see the the rainbow that comes into play as a result of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what I didn't realize is that when Noah went onto the boat, he took seven of every clean animal, and it was for the purpose of. There's actually I was like, what's the seven doing there? Yeah. Well, he sacrificed all the clean animals, right? Yeah, one yeah. of each, so it leaves still it's kind pairs. of like the Sabbath, the yeah. one day in the week, and exactly. so this kind of same idea. I like that. And so that was sacrificed to God. It was a sweet yeah. smelling aroma, uh-huh. saying, and it asks this question: yeah. What did Noah do when he first went out, came out of the ark, and why? Well, I, I don't know about you, but if I'm on the on a uh, boat for 40 days and 40 nights, nope. and then no well, actually kidding. it rained that me that long, and then however long days it took to for everything to succeed, succeed right? Yeah. Then actually putting your feet on solid ground and recognizing 
your family is the only family on earth that survived. Yeah, yeah. Being extremely thankful and saying, God, you didn't have to preserve us, but you did. You could have given up on all of humanity, including my family, but you did not. Mm -hmm. And therefore, he says, I give you the sacrifice, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, God, everything that you've done, it's for your honors, for your glory. Yeah. Uh, But also the altar is there for worship and it's there for praise, Mm -hmm. but it's also there as a sign of remembrance Mm. for his family in generations upon generations. We'd be reading this text and remembering what Noah did, mm-hmm. but also what God did. Mm. Uh, and then it, it compl- uh, compels with uh, Genesis 9, 2 through 4. Mm-hmm. How did the flood affect the human diet? And what is the principle behind God's restriction? And basically, uh, without reading it, saying that you can eat of the clean animals now yeah. because, well, yeah. vegetation, everything else is gone. Uh, but you must not eat any, you know, must not eat it with its uh, lifeblood. Mm. And I should say eat clean, right? Because mm-hmm. there it says everything that moves. But according <laughs> to, as we use systematic theology mm-hmm. and look at Leviticus, that's the reason why there is more clean animals than unclean. There's mm-hmm. six versus two now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's saying eat of those clean animals. Mm-hmm. And also uh, we see here not to eat it with the blood because he says that's its life force. And see uh, science come into play and showing, yeah, there's a lot of things about the blood that we should not be eating. And so therefore mm. there's a lot of wisdom there. Yeah. Uh, and this was not the principle saying now only eat meat. It's not telling Noah to be on a keto diet. Right. He's saying, and basically I, I believe in, as I'm reading until we get vegetation, everything else is growing again. Yeah. This is what you have. Right. Right. Uh, but the good stuff is coming back, which is those those veggies, those Brussels sprouts are coming. Yeah. <laughs> you had to bring up the Brussels sprouts buster. I, I had to. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. All right, Michael, tell us about the covenant part two. All right. So, you know, this this is most intriguing here. Uh, first of all, it's asking about um, uh, Genesis eight and nine, the last part of chapter eight, mostly. And it's asking the question about the significance of God's commitment to the preservation of life and how does God's blessing fulfill that commitment. And, and so here, um, and, and it's interesting, verse 21, and the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. This mm. is one of those places in the Bible where um, our sensory experience, you know, it's referred to. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and... And he says uh, in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. And then there's this promise, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. And so blessed God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, and this is probably the, the promise that a lot of people, <laughs> quote, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And uh, this is intriguing. Uh, the Basically, the rhythms of the world, of the seasons, of time and space, of you know, all of those things that we're used to, that God wants to continue those rhythms and has promised to continue those and that what has happened in the spectacular catastrophe will never happen, at least not in that same way. It will actually happen again, if you think about it, because God will destroy the earth again. He will. But until that point, I think that's the promise, that's the point, is we don't have to worry about our existential existence that... God will keep things going. And even even his plan of mm-hmm. how to destroy, he's saying, mm-hmm. next time it's going to be a fire brimstone before mm-hmm. it was with water. So he's saying, I'm not going to destroy it with water again. Yeah. And so he's he's keeping true to that. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. and just like he had a plan for Noah's family, he has a plan mm-hmm. for God's remnant at that time. He does. And it, so he has a plan for us. And, and interestingly enough, uh, it says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. 
And a lot of people have pointed out, especially the 20th century, people worried about population explosion, too many people <laughs> on the earth. Now uh, the experts are saying there's a population implosion. Wow. There won't be enough people on the earth uh, because falling fertility rates. If anyone re is listening that would be curious, uh, Philip Jenkins, his yes. book, Faith and Fertility, or F Fertility and Faith, excuse me, and uh, has vast implications for religion. Uh, but here's this promise. God wants us to... Uh, to to multiply. I mean, this this is a part of uh, uh, God's commission to us until He comes again. And then finally, um, Genesis uh, nine verses eight through seventeen, we have this uh, reference to the rainbow as the sign of the covenant. And again, we've talked about this before. The covenant. Uh, we had a whole quarterly on the covenant. This idea yeah, of did. relationship, the suzerain treaty, all of those things. Uh, that relate to a, 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 another king or a higher power that makes a, a, a deal with a, a lesser kind of entity. Uh, they come together and make this covenant. Um, here we have this uh, and this promise uh, that all those living creatures, birds and livestock and wild animals, and again, I'm reading from the NIV, every living creature on earth, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And I love this. And then he creates this, this promise, um, this covenant. This will be the sign, verse 17, um, of this this rainbow in the heavens. And I, I love this. Every time I see a rainbow, it reminds me of this biblical passage, Amen. this biblical promise. Um, and it, on a very personal level, it means, it means a lot to me because when we were missionaries at one time, uh, we had something bad that happened to us. And I remember um, the two weeks afterwards as we traveled every day seeing a rainbow. And I thought, how uncanny was that, that, that we would see a rainbow and that on a very personal level, reminded me of this biblical story. Mm. Michael, I'm going to take care of you. And I think that's what God was telling Noah after this traumatic and his family and the animals even um, is this reminder of the promise, you know, hey, this is a terrible thing that's happened, but I'm still here and I'm with you through this. Amen. And no matter how terrible things and challenges may come in our lives, um, that, that same covenant, that same promise God wants to have with each and every one of us to promise and remind us that I am with you through whatever it may be. Yeah, I couldn't say it better myself, Michael, and Lord, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, right? At the end of the age, and, and especially at the end time, we need yes. these, these these promises to be reminded of them. So, um, And we just need to, as, as we think about this coming week, uh, the this particular lesson that I, I hope that our listeners will find courage uh, in your own life, whatever challenges, uh, that look for that promise of hope, that rainbow that God may use. And it may not be a physical rainbow, <laughs> <laughs> but a, a metaphorical rainbow. Look for those metaphors, those metaphorical rainbows, those things that God uses to remind you of uh, his relationship uh, his involvement, his engagement in each of our lives. I, I will bring it back and ask, though, yeah. what is it that God's doing his part? Yeah. He's asking us to do ours, which is, what's yeah. he asking you to asa, right? Uh -huh. What's he asking to you to obey, obey or mm. follow? And, and listen here, it. that is not what's going to save you. It wasn't yeah. no, no, Noah never. building the ark is not what saved him. His trust in the Lord saved him. But along with trusting the Lord comes the reasonable actions mm -hmm. to follow. Uh, outgrowth. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, I think that puts a wrap for another week. Um, so uh, what do you think, Buster? I believe so. <laughs> All right. So this is Soup. And Swoops, signing out. 
As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personal colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahu.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.